Welcome to the Ray Harryhausen podcast, the show dedicated to the life, career and films of a special effects titan. Join us as we host in-depth discussions about the work, influences and legacies of this uniquely talented filmmaker. Brought to you by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, we will be delving into Ray's archive to bring a unique insight into his work, including exclusive audio from the man himself. We will be joined by special guests for retrospectives, exclusive announcements and competitions. So this podcast is a must-listen to all fans of the world of Ray Harryhausen, animation and classic filmmaking. I'm joined by Marshall Julius. We're going through Ray Harryhausen's top creatures for the 2020 centenary of Ray Harryhausen. And one of our main projects is to rank Ray Harryhausen's creatures, all of his animated creatures and some of his animated humans for the very first time. So that poll will be going online very shortly and you'll get your chance to vote. And there's going to be a prize for some of you who maybe guessed the top three of that vote when it comes out in June. Uh, the 29th of June, when it's Ray's birthday, his centenary birthday. But Marshall Julius is with us, and he's the successful author and writer. Are you both an author and a writer? Can you be both? Because you, you I write prefer for newspapers, author. you're a critic as well. Yeah, I prefer I prefer word monkey. I think it has a catch-all kind of uh, feel to it that kind of seems pretty much... Um, yeah, that's me. Word monkey. Word monkey and nerd. But there's not a Nobel Prize category yet for that, so... <laughs> well, they're going to have to make one quickly because, and, and give it to me. Well, if there's no one left, it'll be between you and me because we might be the only surviving writers. That's the only chance I think we'll have of, of winning the Nobel Prize for literature. <laughs> That's not true. that our books aren't good. But, I, you know. I, I enjoy our books. I, our books are pretty much the only ones that I read, John. You know, it's like if, it's, if I can't read something by me, I'll read it by you. And that's where I draw the line, basically. And is that why your bookshelves have no books on them? <laughs> yeah, they're all toys. <laughs> Who's got time to read books when there are so many toys to buy? I read a lot of comics. I definitely read more comics than I read books. Is that a shocking thing? Is that a shocking thing to admit? Maybe not anymore. I never used to read comics that much. I used to get Doctor Who weekly and then Doctor Who monthly. Um, But I mostly used to read books. And Doctor Who was the only sort of comic or magazine I used to pick up regularly. Um, If if you were doing an audio book, which celebrity would you want uh, voicing Vintage Geek? Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Obviously, Auckland Eastwood, just because I would want to be there on the recording sessions. Uh, I think that he would find it just very tiresome and and uh, and annoying, and I would like to be able to call the shots. I would enjoy that, but I, I don't think he would do a good job. But let's say let's say uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he would do. I think he he would just he would make it all so warm and and alive. That definitely. And he's probably available as well now, isn't he? Uh, everyone is available now. Everyone, we're all at home. Everyone is reachable. Um, Maybe you I should feel like get him a copy is... of the book. Send him a copy through and uh, 
and 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 see if there's but there, there is Terminator questions in here. So oh yeah, maybe he could, yeah. There's plenty he could voice of that. some of that chapter. Your publisher would be thrilled. I wrote a book about action movies years ago, and uh, I had the opportunity to uh, to give Arnold Schwarzenegger a copy of it. Um, it had kind of a snarky review of Last Action Hero in it, so I kind of hoped that he wouldn't look at that because most of the reviews were incredibly uh, fawning and, and in love with him, and um, it was at a it was at a press conference for um was it the sixth day or the the, the thing with gabriel Byrne as the devil it was just some one of the days know, yeah end it days. was just such a terrible t- he made so many terrible films and at everyone he'd go to a press conference and he would say oh yeah this is uh this is my best this is my best film and, and, and he, every single he would just lie he would just lie to our faces stop and whining. so he went pardon stop whining <laughs> so but I went along and I had a copy of my book and I was determined to uh determined to 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 give him a copy and uh I was at the very back of the room and uh you know he it was in this it was a very big hotel suite and they kind of emptied it out and it was just full of chairs and journalists and as he was turning to leave I kind of vaulted over this journalist who was like kneeling down to put his stuff away in his bag and I, I just ran and I screamed out Mr Schwarzenegger and he like he turned around um, I probably thought it was like assassination attempt or something, but he oh, stopped. Oh, not another one. Get to the chopper and being assassinated <laughs> I, I ran up to him and uh, I, I, I think I, I, honestly, I don't remember a single word um, that I said. I was very, very much um, enamored with him at the time. And uh, I, uh, all I could hear was sort of like the blood rushing through my ears. And, and I, I remember shaking his hand and it was an enormous hand and thinking that he was very charismatic. And um, I, I was speaking words, but like now, I had no idea what I was saying. And uh, and, and he nodded, and he took it, he took the book. Um, he probably thought that was the only way he was going to get away from me. I think he was very nice. He certainly stopped for like a minute, and we had a chat. I really wish that I could remember what we said. But I was so excited. I was so not in the moment. The whole time in my head, I was jumping up and down saying, it's Arnold, it's Arnold. And only when he went, I realised I had actually no idea what, what I'd said or what he said or anything. And, you know, it, it should have taught me a lesson to be more present in the moment and, and to not always, you know, kind of comment on what I'm doing at the time. But that's not who I am. So well, but now, I didn't listen to a word I said. I literally didn't. I have no idea what I just said. What, what, what are we talking about? What would be a good idea next time that happens? Because there's lots of journalists in the room. Get one of them to take your picture. Yes. Well, obviously now, obviously now I, everybody's I do that got. Frequently. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> got their phones on them. I would not have let that pass without getting a picture of him now. But this was like back in the day when you know no one did that. This was in the day when you would ask for autographs if you wanted I souvenirs. It. I used to do it years. You're seeing all the pictures of me and Ray Harryhausen from like. Does it's like. People used to say to me, how did you think to bring a camera there? And th- and who's taking the picture? Because it's always someone else. Because back in the day, you couldn't do selfies. No. And uh, I used to go around film school, um, John Walsh, Secrets Revealed. I'd have different people as my sort of official photographer every term. Somebody else, one of the other students. Um, there was never any younger students because I was always the youngest there. But incoming students, I would kind of convince them to take photographs on a production um, do like unit stills and uh, unit stills would involve quite a lot of pictures of me proving that I can work in a black shirt or black t-shirt so I, I end up having all these stills 
which is uh, quite useful. Now, there's a connection, isn't there? There's two connections between Ray Harryhausen and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I'm putting you, the uh, the quiz god, on the uh, on the hook here to ask you what the two connections are. One's quite tenuous, but uh, one isn't. We could play some Muzak. Okay, so Arnold Schwarzenegger was one of the was originally considered to play Perseus in Clash of the Titans. Is that one of them? Yes, ding. When I did Marshall's fabulous uh, radio show, Fubar Radio, which is currently online, you can watch. You you gave me ding every time I got a, a correct message. I like uh, the ding, but I, I especially like doing the, 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 the negative buzzer on people, which was apparently very, very loud. Um, and I, I pressed it much too much, according to my wife. She said I never she heard those from my down. answers. <laughs> no, you just got endless bedings. So, okay, I, I remember that... So, so, okay, I got the Perseus one right. That's good. I'm quite pleased with that. Was that the tenuous one or, or the... No, that's ad- the, that's the uh, easy one. Oh, okay. So, um... I have no idea about the second one. You have to tell me. You have to give me a uh, and tell me what the second one is. Well, the the second one was in the late 1960s. Ray tried to option Conan for himself, so he tried to create a uh, feature film series from the Conan novels. Oh. So, of course, tenuous connection because, of course, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't involved until the 80s with the John Milius film. Um, but it would have been fascinating had Ray Harryhausen created Conan. In yeah, that the, would have been amazing. Uh, but I absolutely say that that is not any kind of connection, John. And you just basically swindled me out of getting a hundred percent right. <laughs> that's how. Well, he, he the same. What? That, that's outrageous. That is outrageous that you asked me that. That is not an Arnold Schwarzenegger question. I dispute that. I dispute fair, that, I, sir. I'll press my earpiece and check with the adjudicator. Nope, they say I'm right. So um, fine. Yeah, we have to, We'll have to um, agree to disagree there. We'll now, have to leave it you're open here to the now court of public about... opinion, yes. So, Marshall, you're here to talk about your unsung Harryhausen sequences, your top three. So how are you defining your unsung sequences? Well, I would say that it's any sequence that isn't the Children's of the Hydra's Teeth sequence or the uh, Medusa sequence. Basically, you know, whenever when you ever ask when you ask anybody what their favorite uh, scene from Harryhausen film is, I think invariably people's minds go to that, you know, uh, Jason and the Argonauts or Clash of the Titans sequence. So, um, for me, uh, I, as much as I love both of those sequences, and obviously they're amazing, there's a reason that everybody says those. There are so many other great scenes that. Um, I think are worth um, kind of remembering that I kind of set myself the task of uh, of picking three that aren't like sort of immediately obvious. Um, so that's but I I think that they're all sung. They're sung by somebody. They're sung by us. They're not completely unsung, is it? How could they be? Right. Well, let's kick off then with number three. So, do so you want to tease us into that. Okay. So um, my third uh, would be um, Mighty Joe Young, who I talked about before. Um, I love the sequence in uh, the nightclub, uh, Joe's uh, nightclub debut um, in, in, in the film uh, bearing his name. Um, it always struck me as making much more sense than the way that they uh, unveiled King Kong in, in the original movie. Obviously, a much too young, made by a lot of the same people um, as King Kong. And so, as we know, in King Kong, when they catch the monkey... They, they bring him all the way to New York and, and it's like, what should we do with him? How, how can we, you know, properly, you know, cash in on him? Is it, I know, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll rent a swanky New York theatre. We'll put him up 
in chains on the stage and we'll open the curtain. <laughs> that will be the show. monkeys and tigers and things. But this is more in the nature of a personal appearance, madam. Well, I never thought I was going to see something. Say, what is it anyhow? I hear it's a kind of a gorilla. Gee, ain't we got enough of them in New York? Stand by, Ann, when I call you. Oh, now it's all right. We've knocked some of the fight out of them since you saw it. think if he hadn't just escaped in the first minute after about an hour would you think people would have gotten bored it'd be like yeah i mean you know a giant ape is exciting for the first hour but you know what what can they talk about after that it's like okay here it is it's not doing anything it's just you know it's lazy showmanship john it's lazy showmanship and i think that uh, that I have this idea that when Ray Harryhausen and joined the team um, for Mighty Joe Young, that he had a conversation with Willis O'Brien and said, "You can't, you can't just do that. You know, it doesn't make sense. You can't just have an ape standing there um, for, and 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 invite the press to take photos of him. And that's your whole show. He has to do something. And that's why I think that um, in Mighty Joe Young, obviously, um, he's not as big as King Kong, so it's a bit more practical. He can actually do stuff on a stage, and he's got a human friend, so he's sort of like, and they've sort of." he's trained her up and she's trained him up and they work well together and so um, you know he can do more than Kong was inclined to do um but it, it made it made more sense to me like if I was going to see a giant ape um performer perform on stage I would want it to be like the mighty Joe young thing rather than watch him chained on, on a stage which is a bit sad frankly um so the first the the, the reveal is wonderful when they got the girl Jill, um, played by Terry Moore, she's playing "Beautiful Dreamer," which is like his favorite um, track, and 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 the uh, piano starts. She starts moving around on the stage, and she, and it's all dark, and she's getting raised up, and you're like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And the light comes on, and underneath there's Joe, and he's holding the stage, and like everyone's like gasping, and I thought, now that showbiz. That is proper showmanship. And then they move on to the scene where he's playing, having a tug of war with all these kind of circus strongmen. And uh, I just think that's just the most kind of wonderful, kind of playful sequence. And it makes sense and, it, and it's fun. It's, it, it's lively. It's got a sense of humour. It's kind of exciting. It's, it's a bit edgy because, you know, he's still a giant ape and he could go mental and kill everyone if he wanted to. Um, so there's the edge to it. And it's just, I always love that sequence. Plus, um, you know, when we were, when I was young, growing up, watching all these classic Hollywood movies um, with my mum, uh, you know, there's so many films in the 40s and the 50s that took place in these glamorous nightclubs that just don't exist now. Now nightclubs are all sort of like, sort of like discos, I imagine. <laughs> Not that I was ever much of a, a nightclub sort of person. But I love the idea of, um, you know, the wonderful kind of... Uh, orchestras and uh, everybody kind of sipping cocktails and all sort of dressed up there was just a real sort of impossible glamour to it and uh 
the thought of going to one of these clubs and having a giant ape act as well um, is very, very attractive to me. So that is going to be my first sequence, Joe's nightclub debut in Mighty Joe Young. Well, let's take a listen to that. What's this supposed to be? This Mac's gone nuts. Give it a chance, fellas. Give it a chance. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joseph Young of Africa. So Mighty Joe Young there, he's a nightclub debut. In a, um, I was thinking while we were listening to that, what would Bernie Delfont, the uh, theatrical impresario, have done with King Kong? And I'll tell you what he would have done. He would have had Kong in the background, you know, in these chains, very nice. And he would have had probably Cliff Richard and the Shadows come out and do a few tracks. He would have had Tommy Trinder or some other kind of comedian of the day come out and do something. Ken Dodd, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and it would have all been ape and banana themed and jungle. It would all have something to do. You're right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so I think, you know, there's in in defence of that. Right now, next number, our penultimate choice, your penultimate choice, number two. So number two is... It is the crab sequence from uh, Mysterious Island. And I think this is definitely unsung. The crab never gets any love from anybody. Nobody ever lists the crab. Um, and I think it's because it's not very smart. It it, it spends the whole fight um, with, uh, it with one claw out of action because it immediately grabs one of the humans. And you're right. I mean, you say that some of Harryhausen's uh, creations weren't um, just creatures because there's a little, you know, stop motion animated person thrashing about the whole time. Although they completely forget about him. You, if you watch him, um, the whole time the crab is fighting and, and he's, he's kicking his arms and legs. He's, well, he's not kicking his arms. He's, he's, he's kicking his legs and you see he's alive. But then um, they keep fighting it and they, they manage to overturn the crab. And, uh, and it's like they just forget about this poor, this poor... This poor schmuck in the crab. So anyway, the, the crab grabs this guy and it's holding him the whole time. And all it's got are really two crabs. There's nothing, two, two claws. That's really all it's got to fight with. And instead of throwing the guy down and then having two claws to fight the people with, it just holds this guy the whole time. And so it's down to like, you know, it's 50% out of action right from the beginning. And I think that uh, it's not maybe Ray's most uh, creative sequence from the beginning because it is basically just people pushing their their um, 
spears towards the camera and then shots reverse uh, of the crab sort of standing there it, it, it's not like as integrated certainly as as you know as many of the other sequences um so why then um if i'm saying that the crab itself is quite a stupid fighter and the sequence itself is not the greatest ray harrison sequence am i so fond of it i hear you ask or maybe yeah, i could just you think it's because the way it ends the way it ends is genius, and it's got my favourite punchline of, of any kind of Harryhausen scene because they manage to they, they turn it on its back, and and, and it's it, it's you know it's wiggling its little crab legs. Then they push it off the the the, uh, the cliff onto the into this hot spring, and in and it falls into this bubbling hot spring, and you hear a kind of wee kind of squealy sort of. Uh, uh, and then and then the next scene is of all bits of crabs strewn over the landscape and everybody's just sort of picking their teeth and patting their stomachs and they go oh that's the best crab i've ever cooked and i thought now that that is classic not only did you know the way they killed it is by pushing it into a hot spring thereby cooking it and having delicious fresh giant crab i think that is just genius well i, I particularly like the opening of that because they think they're standing on a rock and, of course, the land moves from under them. And uh, and that Bernard Herrmann music sort of kicks in with uh, with clarinets, I think, to start with. Let's have a listen. Thank <laughs> you. 
there you go. That, that's really evocative. Just hearing it there, it kind of places you right back in that moment. And as oh, you yeah, say, the creature's quite instinctive, isn't it? You know, it, it doesn't have, a, have, have any motivation beyond being just an instinctive sea creature or is it a crustacean if it's a um, it's a crustacean and you know it's just i think it's a crustacean it doesn't uh it's not particularly aggressive or anything it doesn't really know what to do Uh, they they walk on it they they surprise it it kind of snaps a bit at them and then they cook it i I sort of feel sorry for it but i do like crab and i I, my one regret um is that they don't have like butter or parsley or anything on the island because it must have been a little bit 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 french stick you know yeah um if we're doing the joint voiceover for blue planet when that time arrives and they need a replacement is this how it's going to be for all the animal creatures (laughs) (laughs) well i say this animal is amazing but you know it would go so much better if they had a bit mint sauce a little bit garlic butter maybe you know a little bit of crusty bread. Well, I mean, it's it, it, because I think most people think of crabs as food. And uh, and in the end, it, it becomes food. I don't, I can't think of uh, any other Harryhausen monster that when it's defeated is eaten by the humans. Can you? Is there any? I think that's uh, certainly no, not think, way. Only in the, the other way, way around. There's only yeah. creatures that have eaten humans. You've got Cyclops cooking humans or, or wanting to cook humans. There's lots of, there's lots of that. But actually uh, eating the creature at the end. I mean, you wouldn't want to eat Medusa, would you? I mean, she would be super stringy. I really, and you don't, wouldn't want like a kind of Cerberus steak or... It just and, and some of them they're not even kind of flesh, are they? They're they're like statues, or they're just you know you just wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want something that's something that came from hair law, but but and lovely bit of crab. I definitely want a giant cooked fresh crab. Well, we see what we can do for the centenary when it's relaunched and remounted. We'll uh, if there's uh, we can go to a crab restaurant. I think we'll have to suffice with that. And now we come to the uh, the finale of your unsung Ray Harryhausen sequences and your number one. So do you want to tease this one up first, and we'll play a bit of the clip? Absolutely. Um, well, let's just say um, skeleton. Thank <laughs> you. 
So, everybody says the children of the Hydra's teeth. Obviously, uh, Jason the Argonauts, incredibly iconic, famous uh, sequence with multiple uh, skeletons, lots of soldiers, a lot of action going on. Just absolutely incredible technical achievement. Took Ray months and months. But his first uh, skeleton-human fight in the seventh voyage of Sinbad is, is really wonderful. And I think um, the, the equal of the uh, of the uh, Jason the Argonauts um okay it doesn't have um seven so it does, it's just the one but i i think that uh, Cohen Matthews as a uh, Sinbad um he sells it so well didn't Ray Harryhausen talk about how Cohen Matthews was particularly good at that sort of shadow boxing acting required to really sell it because what they would he would uh, practice with a stuntman and the stuntman would stand in for the skeleton and they would get it down to a point where he knew every single moment. And then the skeleton would step out and Cohen would like do the acting. And then, you know, Ray would animate it afterwards. Is that correct? Is that sort of the order of things? Yeah. So um, Cohen Matthews was a, quite an accomplished dancer as well. So I think when you're choreographing moves, you know, to try and remember your moves and where your feet are, it's kind of important if you have that sense of rhythm and repetition as well, remembering where to be you know, it's a form of self motion control isn't it you know so i think that's a really good really good choice you know there's there is another third skeleton sequence that people sometimes forget about and it's not in jason and it's not in seventh voyage and i don't mean the ghouls you don't mean the golden voyage uh, was that from the golden voyage of sinbad the ghouls and no sinbad and the eye of the tiger of course yes of course because they look like the skeletons it's practically the skeletons with a little bit of flesh draped on their bones but where else does a human skeleton in animated form appear in which other Ray Harryhausen film? That's my question to you, Quizmaster. That's very good. Uh, You're welcome. Thank I you very much, sir. <laughs> um, can you... Uh, I have no idea. I don't know. <coughs> I could give you the answer, and then you could tell me with some authority. Yeah, give me the answer, and then I'll tell you. Let's, and we can edit, edit in and make me sound smart. We won't edit it in, but um, I can tell you the answer. It's during the... You're going to kick yourself. It's during the... Medical examination on the moon during first men in the moon. Oh, what is it? Is it actually uh, animated? Yes, when um, Carver's um, not Carver. Who's the other one? The, the the woman who's in the pods. What's her name? The lovely lady that flies up to the moon. Her. She's, yes, she's being examined. Her. She's credited as her on the title role. I'm sure she has her shoe and she's tapping on the inside of the glass, saying, "Let me out of here. Let me out." And the uh, Senonites are actually um, x-raying her. But you can see her skeleton walking through. Let me out of here. Can you hear me? Let me alone, can't you? Staring at me like an animal in the zoo. You. You're there with my shoe. Give it back to me or I'll let you have the other one. You're there with my shoe. 
Oh, gosh, yes, aren't you clever? Gosh, you got me. Okay, well, I will, I'll concede to that one. That was a better trick question than the bogus Arnold Schwarzenegger one earlier, definitely. I'll concede to that. You can pop that in your next book. I will, I will. And people will accuse me of asking too difficult questions. Again, it'd be worth it. it was well, we have, we have set a question to win your book, and it's the Vintage Geek Quiz Book. Um, which is really popular, actually. It is probably the most popular quiz book to have. And for people staying at home, and a lot of people have been buying this and having their own quiz nights with their friends and family down the Zoom and down Hangouts and down Skype and down FaceTime. So it's been very successful. People can have their own quiz nights. And uh, maybe if they contact you, Marshall, you could... Uh, you could compare a quiz night to the world. Absolutely. Well, I've been, I've been running quizzes on, uh, on Twitter every, every Sunday. Um, I'm going to do uh, done, uh, Star Trek and, and, and Star Wars, and I'm having a think about you know, what I'm going to be doing uh, moving forwards. So trying to find the right time. I started doing it at 5 p.m., you know, kind of UK time. Um, but that's not great for America because that's like 9 a.m. And you don't really feel like quizzing at 9 a.m. So I'm going to so I'm kind of switched to 10 p.m. now, UK time. So it's like just after lunch in L.A. and uh, it's uh, tea time in New York. It seems like a more civilized time for everybody. Well, you could do two, one for the U- Europe and uh uk and then one for north america if you're not too busy you could do two in a day i am definitely not too busy i i thought about doing that but then i realized that i'm just way too lazy to do that it's like and you know people could cheat you know it's like if you watch it and watch the replay if, if you miss it the first time that's what i say now you set a question if you want to repeat it here in this uh, episode um for winning one of the five vintage geek books and uh, i can i can actually repeat the question it was in one million years bc what are the names of the two tribes that feature within that film? And there's, there's no clue to be found in Two Tribes, the Frankie Goes to Hollywood song? No, no. And honestly, I wouldn't ask you for a clue anyway, because you have a really strange idea of what's easy or what is even a clue. So it's like, I think you just have to know it. And there's no way of looking it up. I don't think, you know, you just you either know it or, or you're doomed to not know it. Excellent. Does it have to be exact spelling? No. Yes, yes, it has to be exact spelling. And I want exact I want spelling. I want both of the tribes I kind of I want drawings of like what they look like and and their kind of loincloths of choice and everything. That will all help. There, that will all go hyphens, towards them being chosen. Are there hyphens and accents and all that sort of thing on everything. the words? Oh my goodness. Everything. I want to hear how they grunt. Or you could just, you know, scribble it down or just two, two, two cavemen sort of X scrawls and we'll give you the book. Well, Marshall Juice, thank you very much for joining us for these episodes. And uh, we hope to see you at the exhibition and we hope to see any, everyone listening at the exhibition when it's back on. When you listen to these podcasts, we'll let you know more about the, uh, the state of play. And you can follow us, of course, on all of our social media links on facebook and twitter and at rayharryhausen.com and now the podcasts are available on spotify so all of our back catalog is free to listen to on spotify and uh, these episodes will be joining it too so it just uh, leaves me to uh, to say thank you to marshall julius and we'll play out with uh, one of the sequences from the unsung harryhausen creatures Copyright in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a registered Scottish charity, number SC001419. 
2020. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in part without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within these podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of the Foundation, its trustee or employees. For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com where you can find our Facebook and Twitter links.